Bryce Thug Nasty Mitchell versus Andre Touchy Feely. Look, two of the best nicknames in the fight game, if you ask me. Set square off on Halloween night trick or treat, bitches. Hey, Nick, young Jamie. I don't know if you heard today, man. Uh, he tested positive for the Rona. What? Yeah. Rogan, Rogan's, Rogan's young Jamie, right? Rogan's. I mean, it's. do you know any other young Jamies? There are young people who are named Jamie probably in the thousands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know if they're young Jamies. I mean, he's not so young anymore. He's been, he's been <laughs> on that podcast for a fucking minute. <laughs> yeah, it's just more of a namesake than a, a fact of life for a young Jamie. Rogan podcast uh, was off last week, just happened to be. So Joe seems to be in the clear. Uh, and speaking of the Rona, man. So, you know, we posted our UFC 254 picks and predictions uh, last night, right? Khabib versus Gaethje. It's a huge card. And dude, it's getting real sticky on uh, the internet, even when you mentioned the coronavirus, the coronavirus. So I started calling it the Rona like months back, just kind of like, it's quirky. It's fun. It's cool. Oh, yeah. And I feel like I fit in with the younger crowd when I say the Rona. So uh, that being said, you know, obviously there's a, a couple fights on this card that have been impacted by the coronavirus. And uh, this is Khabib's first fight back since the lockdown. His father, you know, passed away from the, the virus. So these are things that have to be brought up. Complications from the virus. Com- the Rona has not killed anyone. <laughs> Well, it's not, it's the same thing when you get shot, right? It's like, well, the right. bullet didn't kill you. It's the complications that the bullet what actually was, caused. What was that movie with Collateral? I think it was Collateral with uh, Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx. And he's like, you killed him. And he's like, I didn't kill him. I shot him. The bullets <laughs> in the fall killed him. <laughs> so, you know, obviously with that card, and, and, and we've got uh, uh, Ankalaev and Jan uh, Kutalaba fighting again too, right? And that fight's been canceled three or four times now because yep. of the coronavirus. Uh, but if I even say uh, coronavirus or COVID-19, if that's in the article, I was talking with you about this earlier. Yeah, uh, on Instagram. On Instagram and Facebook, when I go to share it or when anybody goes to share that article, there's a pop-up that comes up saying that this website's not trusted. It's only been around for two years. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck? I'm not a health website. I've never claimed to be a, yeah, health, in, a Instagram, health website. Instagram wants to tag the CDC in my post. I'm like, fuck that. Hashtag China virus. Let's move it. So I... I don't say coronavirus or uh, COVID-19 anymore. As long as you say Rona, they don't know if it's, you know, your Aunt Rona or. Uh, yeah. So th- I, I have been like. I mean, everybody's forced. got an Aunt Rona, right? <laughs> so it, it actually worked out pretty well. I, I uh, finished the article last night, shared it, and uh, there's no warnings popping up. So people don't get alerted when they go to share it. Like, oh, shit, there might be some dicey stuff in here. And it's like, no, we just we just actually mentioned the name of this virus. Uh, so if you haven't already, guys, go to the website fightsportfocus.com. Com, uh, UFC 254 picks and predictions are out. It's a huge card, and we're going to be talking about it later in the show. Jeffrey Hoffman here with Nikki the G Nicholas Sherlock, welcoming you to the tenth episode. Double figures of the Fight Sport Fo- uh, Focus Podcast. Yeah, we're, we're almost to the point where you can't you can't count us on both hands. Oh, that's right. We're going to have to start going down toes. I mean, we had a pretty big weekend here at the podcast. Went Holy out there and smokes. saw some. Saw some Gulf Coast live entertainment. Got out there to the Empire Fighting Championship six car. We talk about that a little later. Oh hell yeah! And Saints had a bye week, so no football. But we did get a chance to watch the goat play. Tom Brady went out there. He looked beautiful as ever. Him and Gronk hooking up for Gronk's first 
touchdowns of the year. When you say beautiful as ever, you're referring to his physical appearance, everything, uh, his football ability, just his general aura, the, the bulge like, that you happen to. He draws me into him. Speaking of bulges, a little something going on about Brian Ortega. Uh, you know that. Have you seen any any of this? Like, no, I haven't. Like, so we were at Empire. So when I came home, I'm not uh, talking about have you seen the fight. I'm talking about have you seen the bulge? No, I haven't seen anything like that. <laughs> I mean, I'm not kind of trick it out, but uh, but like when I got home, I didn't see any of the UFC fights because when I got home, it was already super late, uh, and I already knew everybody who won because I was getting live tweets there in the car, so I, we yeah. knew who won. So it was no point to go back and watch the fights. It wasn't any like outstanding fights. I saw clips and highlights here and there. Yeah, some stuff here and there. Yeah, and uh, Ortega Korean zombie fight was great. We'll just reference those. Uh, yeah fights and and we got to look at how our picks did because we've been smoking it last That's right uh, last couple of weeks we've been and, making up a little bit and you got a little announcement for the podcast tonight probably the biggest thing that's happened to us this weekend yeah but look before we begin i need to thank everyone nick and i want to thank everyone for all everyone. the support because it was just announced a few hours ago that the fight sport focus podcast did win the best local podcast in new orleans without you guys none of this would have been possible uh, not only do Nick and I get to do what we love, but we get to help fighters, coaches, trainers, promoters. We get to help all of these guys share their stories, validate what they've dedicated their lives and their livelihoods to. Again, thank you guys so much for the love and support. Remember, if you've got a minute, don't forget, subscribe to share this podcast. Help us get the word out there. Go ahead. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram at Fight Sport Focus bookmark our website fightsportfocus.com and we have two amazing guests that are going to be joining us tonight we have justice the gavel lampress and we also have macy bro now i'm not sure on macy's nickname we're gonna to have to ask her because she was a beauty and the beast mm -hmm. but i think she changed it yeah it's a mouthful right like yeah. you, need, you need something that's that's quick yeah so that's... i mean we'll get it wrong we'll talk about it a little bit uh, everybody's got some fights coming up but yeah, man, I'm excited. Thank you guys so much. Everybody reach out, pat yourself on the back. We have a lot of fighters hitting us up with interest, wanting to be on the podcast. And we, Jeff and I just want you guys to know, we want to get to every single one of you. But the number one thing that has to happen is the only prerequisite to being on the show, like, share, subscribe. That's it, man. We're going to be like, you want to be on the show? We're going to be on your social media accounts. Like how many times? Got to peep it out real quick. <laughs> so in this week's episode, not only we're going to be speaking with Macy Bro and Justice Lampras, we're going to do a quick recap of the main card of Saturday's UFC fight night, Ortega versus the Korean zombie. We're going to see how our picks did because when they do well, you know, we talk about them. And when we have a shit card, we kind of brush that off either to the end of the show or, you know, we might forget about it. And lastly, uh, we've got the biggest fight card possibly of the year uh, this Saturday in UFC 254, Khabib versus Gaethje. So we're going to break down the main card and give our picks. I think that might be the biggest UFC card of the year. But the personal biggest card of the year for me is coming up is Atlas 7. Yeah. We have a stellar card. And Justice is going to be competing on that card. So we'll be talking about that a little more tonight. And as we get closer to the event, we'll have more fighters from that card that are going to come on and speak a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Real quickly, uh, let's recap UFC Fight Night Ortega versus the Korean Zombie. We were both checking the live results Saturday night, but we were at Empire. So I had to come back. Yesterday, check it out on the old ESPN Plus app. Uh, first up on that main card, Jonathan Martinez looked great. 30-27 UD win over Thomas Almeida. And Nick, you and I did pretty well on this card. We both went three and one. 
that uh, Gane Delizia fight got canceled. Pretty goddamn sure. Did they get canceled because of the Rona? Uh, I, I don't think it was the Rona, and I don't think they said anything about it. Gane might have uh, outgrown that matchup real quick. I know they're very high on that guy. Uh, so I don't know if something came up and they said, all right, we're going to save you for a bigger fight coming up. But here's the thing. He was the biggest uh, one of, if not the biggest betting favorite on that card. And we both picked him. Right. That's the fight we want to go through. Right. <laughs> right. Like if you're putting money on the line, you don't want that one to fall through. You want the one that was sketch. Maybe you're like, eh, I want to take a shot on the underdog here. So as good as we did uh, that night, it would have been even better. I'd have to assume if Gane would have gotten the chance to smash you and I picked all smash. smash. Yeah. Well, they're in when you're in the other uh, side of the earth the, or uh, the non-American part of the earth. It's called smash. Smash. <laughs> you and I picked Almeida and he was a slight favorite going in. And uh, what's been happening the past couple of weeks, man, is uh, that our cr- our hopes have been crushed in these first matchups, man. Like the hope we've had of a perfect evening. Uh, our perfect evening was crushed harder Saturday night than Thomas Almeida's return to fighting. <laughs> That's a little rough. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, th- picture this, man. I'll- Thomas Almeida was 20-0, right? 20-0. He went 4-0 in the UFC. But in his last five fights, he's just one and four. He's on a three-fight losing streak now that dates back to 2017. What do you think? It might be a mental thing now. I mean, you win 20 in a row. You feel uh, invincible. And then you fall one. Okay, you get one back. Then you go three in a row. I mean, could it be like now it's the opposite? You don't feel like you can get a win. You don't feel like you have what it takes. What do you think, Nick? Um, I think that he's just got to get back in the lab, figure out what's going on. He's fighting at the highest level, so there's no room for mistakes. Yeah, and with the Ghana fight canceled, my boy James Kraus versus Claudio Silva bumped up to the main card. James Kraus got it done with the decision. I'm a big fan of Kraus, man. He's a great coach, runs his own gym. He does a fantastic job cornering his fighters, and uh, he's still getting it done as a fighter himself in the UFC. kind of reminds me of like Matt Serra uh, towards the end of his career. That's what I get from uh, James Krause, right? I, I think that he's the type of fighter that he's very meta. He understands what's going on, and it's easy for him to, to get that information from his head to his fighters. I love watching James Krause fight. Uh, happy to see him yeah. getting it done on the big stage. Third up, we had Jimmy Crute versus Modestus Bukowskis. And uh, you and I both went with Crute. Uh, Crute does what Crute does, man. He's uh, He was the minus 360 favorite. Got the first round finish, uh, 13 professional fights for Crute. He's gone to a decision only five times. The other eight have all been first round finishes, including his only loss, which is that uh, Peruvian necktie, Misha Serkinov. Co-main event, we had Jessica Andrade in her first fight at women's flyweight. She got the first round finish over Caitlin Chukagian. Andrade dropped Chukagian with a body shot. Uh, Chukagian was the number one contender in that division. And I'm pretty excited in seeing Jessica Andrade get a shot at Shevchenko, which I don't see how she doesn't after Shevchenko mauls Jennifer Maya on uh, November 21st. Andrade even called Valentina out after the fight. Does that make sense to you? I mean, it's, it makes it, sense. it'll be her second fight, but Shevchenko has ran straight through that division, right? There's nobody else. Uh, and Andrade is an awesome matchup for her, I think. Yeah, we're popping tops. Don't worry about that. <laughs> And in the main event, Brian T-City Ortega got a statement victory over the Korean zombie. This was a long time coming for Ortega, not just because of the buildup 
leading up to the fight with the Korean zombie and his translator and all that happened back in March. But it was just that long layoff for Ortega. Uh, you know, it'd been almost two years since his last fight. And that last fight uh, is a, was a terrible defeat to Max Holloway. Ortega looked fucking great in this one, man. First two rounds were kind of close and Ortega landed a spinning elbow on the zombie at the end of the second and watching it, 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 he almost finished it there. And for rounds three, four, and most around five, the zombie threw almost nothing. He's just walking forward, you know, as we've seen him do. And so I kind of like thought to myself, like he might still be recovering from this elbow because it was a totally different fighter for two and a half rounds after it. And I don't know if you saw it today, but he tweeted in Korean that got translated that said like he didn't even remember uh, yeah, the, remember second, the, last, the last third rounds. or fourth round. And he, he said exactly that. He was like, it wasn't until midway through the fifth that I actually came back and yeah. and was like, oh, crap, we're in a fight. And he started going back at it. Ortega looked good. He, uh, he I mean, but let's take it for what it was. He did beat an aging yeah. Korean zombie. Well, he's aging. And also we talked about this on the last episode. It's just hard to gauge where he's at because right, right. okay in his four his last four fights or his last four wins i should say number four was against dustin poirier and you're like oh that's badass it was right. in 2011 right <laughs> well, it was a very dis- different dustin poirier right so it's it's just hard to gauge where uh, the korean zombie's at in his game right now right yeah so uh, i'd like to see ortega get another fight uh within the top top five guys and let's see where he's at uh i wouldn't be jumping to title talks anytime soon well here's the thing is that uh Title talks are being jumped to because Dana maybe, White maybe him, by him, but I mean, no, Dana White himself said that it's uh, looking like that fight will determine who the number one contender is. And here's why Ortega's number two. Okay. Number one contender is Max Holloway. He's already lost twice to Volkanovsky, right? So as long as Volkanovsky has that, has that belt, Holloway's not getting another shot at it. Right. So then Holloway needs to fight Ortega next. He could be the gatekeeper. Here's the thing. If, not Ortega, then who does Volkanovsky fight next? So uh, not Ortega. Number two, you've got Ortega. Three, you've got Zabit. Four. I think he fights Zabit next. Zabit deserves the title shot. I mean, and then I think Zabit holds that belt for a long time. That's a that's a fight that I'm interested in, and I know a lot of a lot of people listening would be interested. I think in I think well. Zabit's interested in that fight too. <laughs> of course, Zabit's interested in whatever fucking fight they give him, and the lower the rank. The better the rank, the better the fight for him, right? He's, so we've got, yeah, either Zabit, uh, okay, Zabi, so, so, Jair, so Max Holloway, Max Holloway lost to Dustin. Then he be, had beat Frankie Edgar with a unanimous decision. Then he lost to Volkanovski twice in a row. Yeah, He lost to him in December of 2019. Then he had a rematch. He lost a unanimous decision yeah. uh, to Volkanovski in December uh, in 2019. And then in July of this year, he lost a split decision yeah. to Volkanovski. The rematch was very close. Which a lot, a lot of, people, of people thought that Holloway won. Yeah. So I think it should either be uh, Sabich uh, or fight Volkanovski next, let Holloway fight Ortega, and then set it up like that. All right. So we've got two guests coming on the show tonight. First, we're going to have... Mid-City MMA's Macy Bro. You want to go ahead and get Macy on the phone? Yeah, let's do it. Fantastic, guys. We're going to be right back with Macy Bro.
Jeffrey Hoffman and Nicholas Sherlock, joined by Mid-City MMA and Canter Boxing Club's Macy Bro. Macy, welcome to the Fight Sport Focus podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out to be with us. Hey, super happy to be on the show. Hey, Macy. So we were talking about you a little bit earlier, and we were a little confused. We we were trying to give out your nickname, and I, I was like, well, she was Beauty and the Beast, but I think she changed it. So what is your name as of right now? So Mako, uh, like Ma- the shark. Okay. Oh, that's good. So how did, you, how, how did that name come about? So the old name was just basically just thrown in there so I could have, like, uh, you know, a fight name, something to, like, promote myself. But I wasn't really feeling it. Uh, so my, my son's actually, like, into sharks and everything like that. So he actually came up with this name a while back. And uh, the gym I'm now training at for boxing, Kinder Boxing, their logo is the shark, the kingfish. So uh, whenever I was going to make my pro boxing debut, we were trying to, like, come up with names stuff like that and my son was at the gym with me and he threw that out there and my coach liked it so it just kind of stuck okay okay so macy so tell it so how how did your fight career begin like what made you decide you wanted to fight um so as a little girl i would go to my granny's house and uh they had a boxing gym in golden meadow and i'd uh, sit on her porch watch like the boxers run from like uh, the gym all the way to the bridge and stuff like that. And I'm like, man, I really want to do this. And I was about like 10, 11 years old. But, you know, my dad didn't want me in the gym with a bunch of guys at that age. So uh, years later, after high school, I was doing like a competitive CrossFit. And uh, I was doing really well on that, actually. But I herniated a disc, had to have back surgery, all that crazy stuff. And then uh, I got into one street fight. Made it a world star. <laughs> After all of that, I decided I'm like, hey, I really want to fight. I want to go for this. And, you know, from then on, so the you, rest of history. So you and the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air share some uh, similar upbringings. It was one little fight and, and your mom got stared. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, Macy, so tell me about the hardships that you had to endure for this fight training. Because I've known you and you're, you're pretty young. Because how old are you now? Because you're in your early 20s still, right? Yeah, 24. 24 years old. So I know the entire time I've known you, you've been a fighter. I mean, I saw you break your arm and Mm -hmm. Macy did not stop training. All she did was go to the gym and punch with the other hand. Like I've seen this, like she's very dedicated to her craft. I've had the opportunity to referee a couple of her fights, like very hard nosed fighter. So what daily difficulties do you, difficulties do you balance being a single mom? And you were very, you were a mom pretty early as well, correct? Yes, I was uh, 13. 13 years old. So you've, I mean, so you know about being mentally tough and having to handle everything that it is. So what challenges does being a pro fighter bring to you daily that you have to juggle? Um, so like as far as being a mom and a fighter, like uh Time-wise, like, sacrificing the time that, you know, I get to with him and things like that uh, does play, like, a big role in it um, as far as, like, sacrifices and stuff like that because we do live – I live an hour away from the gym. So, you know, I bring him to school in the morning, then I take off, go teach classes, go train, then I come home 7, 8 o'clock at night, you know, spend a little time with him, and then same routine, you know. And then on the weekends, I'm running my meal prep business. So it's like, you know, just time being sacrificed right now, but he gets it. 
see, you know, the hard work and all that other stuff. So it will pay off in the end. Awesome. Absolutely. And what business is that that you're running right now? I personally know, but go ahead and uh, let us know what, you, what you're doing full time. Yes. Yeah, so um, hand in hand with, you know, the training and all that stuff is eating and meal prepping. So I actually have my own like meal prep company where I put out a new menu every week and deliver like a uh, freshly prepared meals to people from New Orleans, Tahoma, to Thibodeau and things like that. All right. And about all, uh, what is your website? Give out those handles on that. How can people get in contact with you about that? I've personally, yeah. so I've personally had, I've personally used this service before when I was still competing in jujitsu and things like that. And it was absolutely, uh-huh. every meal was delicious. It was just the right amount of food exactly to get you where you need. If you have any questions about it, I know Macy's available to work out things with you. And I personally really enjoyed it when I have it. It takes all the guesswork out of your diet because who wants to get up at five in the morning and go, Oh, I got to separate eggs and count out these mm-hmm. fucking almonds. Yeah. Right. She does all that for you. Yeah. So like food and stuff like that's been something I'm like, I've been super passionate about, especially with what I do. Um, so like my website, it's Macy's com, And um, actually for fighters themselves, like whenever like local fighters are getting ready or, you know, have fight camps coming up. I do do like specials for the fighters and things like that, according to their macros. And, you know, I don't just have meal plans that work with the fighters, work with like specific athletes who need you know, specific needs and things like that also. Well, what got you started into meal prepping? Was that like something that you were doing for yourself, obviously? And you said, Hey, this is something that would benefit other people. How did you get started out? Yeah. So um, I've basically been meal prepping for myself since like high school. But um, when I started working in gyms and stuff like that, I was meal prepping for myself. And uh, a lot of people brought attention to it and said, you know, hey, can you do this for me? You know, we'd like for you to share your recipes and things like that. So it just, you know, sparked a business off of people asking me to do it for them and wanting the help. And after seeing how many people were interested in it, you know, I was like, hey, you know what? I won't have to work a full-time job when I can, you know, make my living off of doing something I love, meal prepping, and then it also gives me the time to train and fight all the time. Well, that that is a, a win-win situation, it sounds like, for you. So right now, yeah, sure. you're still an amateur mixed martial artist. Uh, what is your time frame? Like, are you looking to go pro anytime soon? Are you still just coming along? Uh, do you have anything on the books? Uh, what's going on with Macy right now? Yeah, so um, actually, after breaking my arm and stuff, I had that year layoff. Uh, after that, you know, I wanted to make just, you know, two, three more fights just to, you know, fine-tune everything. And the plan was to go pro. Um, so my last amateur fight was in March for uh, Legacy LFA. And um, I actually had plans to go pro after that. But, you know, I was going to go pro in boxing first. Um just because I know once I get the ball rolling in MMA, it's going to be very hard to transition over or go back and forth. And, I, you know, I kind of was up, like my upbringing was boxing also. And uh, so I wanted to at least do, you know, two, three boxing matches before the MMA. But um, my last three boxing matches I have scheduled actually fell through pro-wise. So um, I'm looking maybe December for pro-MMA. Why do you think you're having a problem finding or keeping matchups at this point? Why are you having so many fall through? I know it's something that's common, right? And, and a lot of fighters go through it, but I, I feel like with you, it's even more so. Do you have any idea why that might be? Honestly, no. Like, as an amateur, I understood. You know, like, not everybody's doing this 
to pursue like a pro career or to make this their life. So as an answer, I moved like around weight classes from 140 to 115 just to, you know, get the experience. But as a pro, I didn't think it would be like this. I thought, you know, the pool of girls would be a lot bigger than what it is. Um, but I think right now, especially with COVID and everything like that, uh, just not many people have stayed conditioned or stayed ready. So I feel like weight's an issue, like having people, you know, make a weight and also wanting like a, a full fight camp. So I think that plays a role in it, but boxing itself, I feel like it's not super dense with females as MMA. Oh, I, I'd agree with that 100% because right now you're the third ranked out of 22 active, uh, fighters in your weight class you're the third ranked uh, amateur women fighter uh, how do you feel about that you have a couple girls ranked ahead of you uh, have you tried to i don't know have you actually actually tried to fight either one of these girls that are ranked ahead of you like we have it up right now as a girl named uh annette nichols and i guess it's aylin villa lobos are you familiar with either one of them no is it a topology yep I'm not sure about uh, right now, but I think topologies range like pound for pound for women, not actually weight classes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, oh, then e- even even better because you're number you're number three on here. Yeah. So like the thing that you know, I don't like it, but like uh, the pool, like I say, for women, even in MMA, it's kind of dense to where they have to put us all together instead of having us ranked for our own weight class also yeah you're right and a lot of the ladies that i'm seeing on the louisiana pound for pound list aren't from louisiana they just happen to fight here from time to time so uh, yeah even more difficult to match up with some of them oh absolutely man like it's yeah i think it's harder for uh women especially because there's not many women that want to fight until you get on the grander scale that's why you see a lot of women that get to the ufc or one fc or bellator and they're in there with like a two and one record or a three and oh record then they get the call to make the jump right. and it goes hey i know you've yeah. only had one pro fight but would you like to fight the mm-hmm. very best women in the world you know and then even once you get there you're like two three fights away like you're one two fights two wins are like hey would yeah. you like to fight amanda nunez yeah i i kind of feel like we see right. the same thing in in men's heavyweight you know on the regional scene the competition is is uh you don't have a lot of competition and it typically if you're good you're smoking them, but Absolutely. on the national scale and even the international scale, there are plenty enough. Uh, so you you don't really get the preparation that you need in the regionals, right? Because once you get a little bit larger, right. then you're not that uh, the biggest fish in the pond anymore. And so it seems yeah. to be that way. Uh, have you reached out to any promoters? Are you trying to get booked for any MMA right now? Or do you have any shows that you're eyeing? Yeah. Yes, um, I did reach out to Tim and Joe. They were supposed to have a show in November, but, uh, you know, with the rules and regulations for Louisiana, I don't think that's going to happen. So I reached out to uh, Christian Garola for Empire, and um, we're looking at December 19th. Um, He has a date, but he said, you know, he doesn't have an opponent yet. So hopefully before the end of the year, I can get a pro fight. Maybe um, need to, maybe get on, get on uh, social media and start talking some shit. Yeah. Start, start picking your yeah, shot. Right? That's That seems to be the way <laughs> to get a fight nowadays. Just get on there and just start talking some shit. <laughs> so Jason Knight will be on that uh, December 19th card. If you can get on it with Empire, it's going to be a big show. That, that would be an awesome card to yeah. be on because yeah. Jason Knight is making his return to MMA. Yeah, I think so. We were at the right. Empire card this past weekend. I can tell you this. It's a it was my first Empire card and yeah, Jeff's I had been a, to a couple. Fight. Oh yeah. I interviewed both of them. Both of them yeah, went out there, went great. to work. Uh just Jordan uh 
Jordan smashed his guy up pretty good. Effin went out there and had a complete yeah. performance. Now he's the Empire Bantamweight champ. But I think uh, Evan, I Evan and them are leaving tomorrow because we're recording. It's Monday night. I know it's not going to be published like Friday. Yeah, they're but they're leaving. Yeah. yeah, they're leaving with Tan tomorrow. Headed on out to uh, Singapore, correct? Singapore. Yep. yep. Singapore, and uh, I think they'll be bringing a whole another belt back to Louisiana because I don't think it goes any other yeah. way than Tan Lee smoking this three, guy. Three belts won in the last uh, in the next two weeks, right? Mid- uh, Atlas uh, right. or uh, Empire Bantamweight belt, the one featherweight belt. Yep. Woody's best oh, podcast. Absolutely. I don't know if you know, Macy, but uh, we were we were on the uh, 92.3 and they announced the winners today and we won the best local podcast. So we're pretty. We're, that. we're getting a thank strap. You, thank you. We're, we're getting a strap. We're getting a belt. We're going to be carrying around over our shoulders. <laughs> we're going to be cutting WWE promos, like talking mad shit. Next Atlas event. We're wearing the belt. We're wearing it around the hole. <laughs> Every time somebody comes up to interview and be like, here, hold my belt. Let me talk to you. <laughs> that's awesome so is there is there any particular girl that you're that you're interested in fighting coming up um so as an amateur um i did want to fight sarah davila because i thought that'd be like a big pull you know because we're the two like most talked about women in the sport in i think that would be a very so big I draw wanted, oh, yeah. i'd love to see that yeah i kind of wanted that but uh we couldn't really you know get it set up so as a pro you know just anybody honestly you know i just want to get my feet in the water and just get a profile out there, you know, transition to the five minute rounds. And now I'll say this. I've recently spoken to Sarah Davila through Snapchat. Cause I was talking to her about getting her and her husband on the show. Cause I think that'd be a cool episode to have husband and wife MMA uh, team on the show uh, with her husband, Josh Davila. And Sarah told me she is looking for a fight. She doesn't have anything sta- uh, set up and she's looking to go pro. Uh, I think that that would you should probably tell Christian about that. He should reach out to Sarah. I think that would be a phenomenal fight. I think that would be a barn burner. Yeah. I really do. Yeah, I think so too. This could be your call out. You got any shit you want to talk? I mean, I know it's yeah. This, this, <laughs> you got you got you got the you got the stadium. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, no shit to talk. You know, I respect her a lot. Like uh, for one of the Empire shows, uh, I was supposed to have an MMA fight, and my opponent fell out. So uh, she was actually doing a combat jujitsu match with someone else, then agreed to turn around and do two combat jujitsu matches just so I had, you know, a, an event and a fight on that night. Yeah, that's awesome. So, you know, I respect her for that. We we have competed against each other for like IBJJF tournaments and jujitsu, things like that. So, you know, it's for me, it's just, you know, it's a sport. It is, you know, I'd like to test myself against her and, you know, I think it'd be fun. All right, so we're making notes here, and we need to get a, a like a shit talking script or like you know like yeah. an ad lib or something like that that we can send to people beforehand, so that even if they don't have any dirt right. on them, or that's they right, they don't want to talk shit. They can just read from the script and be like, "Yeah, and you got a fucked up pinky toe," and, you know, and you the only say all kind of weird shit. The only the only person who was yeah. down was Jules Scott. Jules Scott was like, "Look here, let me tell you about these bitch made people, man." He was ready to go. That's why we love Jules. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. I don't know if y'all saw. Um, Roxanne Modafferi uh, for the UFC. Her uh, shit talk for Andrea Lee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They had to like try and convince her to do it, and she wouldn't. <laughs> oh, man. A lot of, uh, there's a lot of respect. I even talked to, in my interview with Tan Lee, I talked about it. I was like, dude, you don't talk shit at all, man. He's like, no, I'm very respectful. I'm just waiting. I was like, Mm-mm, you got to get that Conor McGregor, man. You get to Conor, you start running your mouth, you start getting fights. That's just how it happens. Because I think what happens is when yeah. people start talking a lot of shit, the people that like you want to see you fight because they want to see you win. 
But then the people that hate you and loathe you, they're going to watch you fight because they want to see you lose. But either way, every time you fight, they want to see you fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's like the uh, angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other, right? The angel is like, we don't need to talk shit. We're going to get in a, a cage or a ring and we're going to fist fight each other. Like, there's no need for this. And then well, the devil's like, let's sell this motherfucker. I think let's- you got to talk shit until the contract's down. Once it's signed, you could be like, oh, it's going to be a good fight. But to get the fight, you got to be like, I'll fight you. Then I'll fight your mom in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, this fight doesn't like come together. I think I might have to start doing that. Oh, absolutely. We're, we're definitely here. As soon as you're ready to talk shit, you text me and be yeah, like, be like, Nikki, I'm ready to go. And I'll be like, I'm ready to write this article I'm, right now. I'm typing up a script right now. We'll send it out to you. It's going to be like some <laughs> old school insults too, like 16th century shit. They're going to have to go back and like look right. up shit on Wikipedia. Like, I don't even know what this is, but it sounds like it's fucking insulting. It's gonna be like little Wayne lyrics. You got to look it up to figure out how good it is. <laughs> so Macy, uh, have you had any trouble like being able to train constantly? Cause I know you train out of mid city and I know mid city's in new Orleans. So they had to switch to some of their regulations, but I've heard y'all do like pods where y'all like can train with the same people and you'll have to do COVID testing constantly. So how's that been working out for you? Yeah. So I think it's honestly great because, you know, we have so many fighters there and getting tested constantly, you know, it's, it, I think it's the most responsible thing to do. And like, you know, if we test positive, we're out of fighting for, you know, who knows how long. So, you know, it's been really cool. And uh, we've been in some, honestly, some really good work in. And, you know, I feel like I haven't skipped a beat. Um, even whenever we couldn't train and things were shut down, you know, I went on Amazon, ordered some more bags, some more gym equipment, was working out every day. You know, I basically never stopped since. How often were y'all getting tested at Mid-City? Um, so we started off, I think, like, if you went anywhere outside of the gym, you know, like when hanging out with different people, you had to get, you know, wait a few days, get tested. And then besides that, like every three to four weeks. Who is your favorite training partner over there, Mid-City? Um, so my favorite training partner over there is uh, Sarah Smith. Um, so she does not fight or anything, but she's at every MMA practice. She's at every training session and uh, she comes to my fight. She actually, you know, helps me warm up in the corner. And, you know, she's one of my biggest assets. She's like my fight camp and things like that. That's always awesome to have that one, one constant person where they have to get to find your calm. That person has to be your calm. And that, that's awesome right. to hear that. Um, outside of mid, mid, so we know about a lot of guys out of mid city. Who is somebody mm-hmm. that we need to look out for that's going to burst onto the scene and is going to smash people? Outside of Mid-City? Yeah, coming from Mid-City. Yeah, and we're saying smash now. Oh. So Yeah, we're saying smash now because that's the European way to say it. We don't say smash anymore. Yeah. We're, we're cultured over here in the fight sports focus. Um, we have a lot of, like, uh, actually a few guys from Mid-City that uh, haven't fought yet but are planning, like, their MMA debuts. And uh, I'm actually looking forward to that. One of my training partners, Jared, um, Actually, you know, he's been really good work and he's around my size. He's supposed to make be making his MMA debut soon. Um, Dylan, I don't know if you ever saw him, Dylan Oliver. He fought for uh, WFC. Uh, he had one fight and he did phenomenal. Okay. Um, I think he's maybe 18, 19, super athlete. Um, you know, and we have a lot of guys out of Mid-City who I feel like, you know, have a lot of talent. And uh, we actually got a lot of guys from different gyms you know, around the city that actually, you know, started coming in. 
And now, you know, we have a bigger team and things like that. So I think that's, you know, going to be really good for us and, you know, the work we get and the sizes and like different people and the different like specialties people bring whenever they train. Absolutely. Mid-City MMA is quickly becoming the it squad. Like, yeah, you guys don't lose many fights, not many fights. And then when you do lose fights, it's a, it's a decision. It's not like I haven't, right. I don't remember any fights on you made Jeff. I haven't seen any MMA mid city guys go out there and get finished. Yeah, I, I just think Sean's very clever about not just matchups, but yeah. uh, when to allow people to fight, you know, he's not letting anybody just mm-hmm. go out there and represent the gym. He's making sure that they're ready. Right. Yeah. I wish like, you know, honestly, you know, I'm glad, you know, I came up the way I did, but I wish I would have, you know, started there and brought my roots there. I think my fight career would have been a little smarter in the beginning. And uh, so, uh, so that's what you're looking for is December. Is there anything else that you got going on? Uh, yeah. So um, if this fight doesn't get scheduled, um, they have a national USA boxing tournament in Lake Charles. It's an amateur tournament, but it's, you know, you're ranked, through USA Boxing and on a national level. So worst case scenario, I'll fight in that boxing tournament. It's a week-long tournament. And, you know, it'll be really good for whenever I do go pro in boxing to be like, hey, she won this national whatever boxing tournament. Hopefully, you know, I can go pro before that, but I'm just looking to compete before the end of the year, whether it be pro or amateur, um, you know. So what is your boxing style? Are you out there just berating people with shots, just beating them up, taking a decision, or are you out there putting chicks to sleep? So um, my boxing style is very, you know, inside in the pocket. Um, I do a lot of, you know, slips, rolls, head movement, things like that. I like to get on the inside most of the time because I am, you know, the shorter fighter. And I guess the most important question that we're going to ask you, do you watch TV or Netflix? Netflix, um, because honestly, like I said, my schedule, wake up, bring my son to school and I'm either working or training all day, get home at eight, nine o'clock and maybe put on family by on Netflix and then I'm out. Oh, all right. So that, that was actually a trick question. The most important question Nick is about to, is about to ask you. So this is, we've given this to every guest <laughs> so far and, and we've be, had, we've got a hundred percent compliance with right. this. I mean, like every, everybody we've asked, they said, yes, we've gone out and done it. And had an immense success, I would like to add. Absolutely. So, yeah, we're pretty good. Fighters that come on the podcast usually win. I and, think we're like running like a 99% oh, rate it's right now. got to be higher than 99. Is there like 106 or something? But Something yeah, something like that. So we're, we'll, we will help you reach out to Christian with Atlas Sports. He's a, he's a friend of the podcast or, uh, here. Christian with uh, Empire Fighting Championship. And, I mean, yeah, we, and also with Glenn with Atlas. We'll reach out yep. to a couple guys, uh, drop, drop a little Macy name in their ear like, hey, you got to get this chick on the show. Uh, but what's got to happen is you have to allow Jeff and I to pick your white walkout song. No, we're not telling you what it is. You just get in that tunnel, get ready to go, zone mm-hmm. out, have the eyes rolling in the back of your head. <laughs> then all of a sudden, bang, here's the story mm-hmm. of a guy named Brady. And it could be that. It could be uh, a new Shakira song. It could be whatever. You know, just whatever we're feeling at the time. Yeah, it could like, be the we, national anthem. We liked it so much the first time we heard it. That's <laughs> it's right. time for a non-core. National anthem really gets me jazzed up. That's what I'm saying. Could be a New Orleans brass band. Could be some trombone shorty. She's down for that. That's what we're talking about. Macy, you might be the best guest on the podcast so far. <laughs> No, honestly, like, as far as, like, walkout songs, I walked out from, like, everything to Katy Perry, Eminem, Jay-Z, like, all over the place. Oh, so the Growing Pains theme song will do you just fine, then. Show me that smile. 
I think Macy might be a little too young for growing pains. And they didn't even do walkout songs. They did like some drum ceremony type thing because it was on like Indian reservation. All right. You know, so I've had different walkout experiences. All right. Do you know what growing pains is? Do I know what? Do you know what the show growing pains is? No. Ben Seaver. You've never had a. You don't know who Mike Seaver is? Maybe. That, that's your homework assignment. You need to go <laughs> learn who Mike Seaver is. Leonardo, I know you know who Leonardo DiCaprio is, but that's where you got his acting start yeah. was on a TV show called Growing Pains. You know who Robin Thicke is, right? Yeah. So Robin Thicke's dad, Alan Thicke, wrote the theme song and was also on the TV show Growing Pains. Uh, but it's a little, little it's a old. Classic. It's a classic. It's but, a classic. Uh, part of the American canon, television canon, I'd like to. Yeah, Jeff and I got about 10 years on you. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's why we know what that show is. And uh, lastly, Macy, like, we, we appreciate you coming on the show and everything, uh, giving us a few time. We know we got started a little later tonight. We had a couple technical difficulties earlier. Uh, but any shout outs you want to make, team members you want to thank, sponsors, uh, let us know how we can get in touch with you. Uh, drop your Instagram and Facebook handles. Um, shout out to everybody at Mid City. Um, you know, it's been really awesome and a really big step up in my career working there and, you know, getting to train with those guys for the past few years. Shout out to, you know, my family for always helping me, you know, helping me out with my son and things like that. I do have a few sponsors. So as far as my sponsors, uh, I have consistency breed growth. Um, so they actually worked with me leading up to what was supposed to be my pro boxing debut as far as you know, food measurements, things like that. So I meal prep for myself and they just tell me what to eat, when to eat. So uh, CBG, Consistency Breeds Growth, and you can find them on Instagram. Uh, Kona Ice, which is just a snowball truck. Um, Hell yeah. Tyson Dolls, which is a online boutique. Uh, she actually trains with me at uh, one of the gyms I teach at. I train her and uh, she's actually one of my sponsors. Um, impact strong of Thibodeau. Um, if you need any, you know, kickboxing or fitness, things like that in the Thibodeau area, um, and still nutrition out of, uh, Pensacola talking sports. And then, um, last but not least, we have fighting championship. Uh, Christian's actually one of my sponsors and he did, uh, you know, make way for the, uh, what was supposed to be my pro boxing debut and got me those connections with, Roy and all of them, and uh, hopefully, you know, he can line something up. We heard Empire for, might. We heard Empire might have their bare knuckle card jumping off. Would you be interested in a little bare knuckle action? Uh, I want to save my hands for now. Maybe in the future, though. All right. Yeah. Well, Macy, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, Nick and I are both very much looking forward to seeing you either next time in the cage or next time in the ring. Guys, uh, Nick and I will be right back with Gladiators Justice Lampers. Jeffrey Hoffman and Nicholas Sherlock joined by Gladiators Academy Justice the gavel lamper is justice. Thank you so much for being here with us, man. Oh yeah. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. How you guys doing tonight? Dude, we are killing it. Don't know if you heard it or not. Fight sport focus, best podcast in new Orleans. 
winners. We're getting belts, and we're going to carry that belt to every show we go to. Look, you, all right, so you might have your heavyweight, you know, Atlas Pro belt, but we've got the fucking Woody's best fight, best local podcast belt over our shoulder. You know what I'm saying? Anybody could get a heavyweight, uh, you know, a pro heavyweight championship belt. I mean, all you got to do is be a heavyweight and be a badass. Not everybody can get the, uh, you know, best podcast belt. So uh, things are great over here, man. Thank you for asking. Yeah, man. That's what they say. Uh, you're not you're not a champion until you defend that. So you got you got to. Well, I think first we have to unify the belt. Maybe we'll go over to Houston and take there. Right. I don't think you can you can win the best uh, new podcast twice. I think it's a one and done kind of thing. <laughs> no, no, no. It's yeah, the yeah. best local. Oh, best not, local. Not podcast. the best. But I don't know if you can win the best local from Houston. <laughs> you can't win the best local podcast <laughs> being from New Orleans in Houston, but we can try to unify that belt. Do we need to like go to Houston and like record a show? Mm-hmm. I mean, and then technically we're a yeah, Houston you podcast. Got, you got to rent a studio in Houston and just say that's where it's at. You guys are good. I think we just got to go to Houston, kick ass and take some names. What if we get like a, P- what way. if we get like a PO box in Houston? Is, is that the same <laughs> thing? <laughs> so justice, man, what's been up with you, man? How you been handling this old quarantine action? Uh, uh, it's pretty normal back here down in, uh, good old Lafayette. We're kind of, it's the, the only time I remember things are going on is when somebody asked me where my mask is. And I'm like, oh yeah, that thing. We're supposed to have that. Oh yeah. That mask thing is uh, a little aggravating. I agree with you on that. So how did you make up for the hurricane? Cause I know hurricane Delta came back through there and I know a lot of people in Lafayette lost power. Yeah. Uh, man, that was a strange one. Like, uh, I watched Netflix all through that one. And then uh, you go down the street and people's roofs were like completely tore off. So it was a uh, kind of strange. Oh, wow. What, what were you watching on Netflix? Uh, Kingdom. Dude, I, Kingdom. Dude, I love that show. I can't wait for the next season to come out. It was a uh, pretty old Utrecht boy. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I, I definitely didn't see that one. Uh, this is going to be a little spoiler if anyone like watched it yet, but it's been out for a while. Uh, oh, I, I haven't seen a single episode yet, man. Don't you, you better put your fingers in your ears, <laughs> dude. All you got to do is say earmuffs, and then you can spoil whatever show you want. Right? Just say earmuff, I, and we're good. I, I, I'll uh, I'll preface it by saying that, like, I thought it was something where it's just like uh, the guy was talking about sauna suits and how much it makes you sweat, and I thought it was, you know, like uh, you know how like fighters get asked like ignorant questions like that, and then like it just plot twists through the whole thing. So I won't, won't ruin it for you, but uh. Yeah, just, just expect that twist. It just seems like everybody that Uchers fell in love with, he either had to murder or somebody else had to murder that person. This dude is just destined to be al- alone. Yeah, yeah. That's let, part of it. let me tell you, Justice, man. I got uh, a weekend or two ago, I got balls deep in a Cobra Kai, man. You, uh, you partaking in any of that or the karate scene no, is no. a little bit too much for you? Yeah, I've, I've, I haven't started uh, on the – I think I barely remember any of the Karate Kids, if we're being honest. I was introduced, you know, like the, a, a gentler art. I was introduced to, like, boxing as Muay my thai. first art. <laughs> Muay Thai and the old sweet jiu-jitsu. science. Yeah. yeah, like you're in karate and it's like, you can't punch. <laughs> like, fuck, I can't. You can't hit anybody <laughs> in the face in karate except with your feet. That seems like the last thing you would want. It seems like you would want the rules set to be the opposite. You can hit me with anything except your fucking foot. Oh, a headbutt? Yeah, yeah. A lot of karate guys have difficulty coming over to MMA just because of the punches to the face. We had a teammate uh, when I was still fighting at uh, at Clemente's Gladiators Academy. was like a world-class taekwondo guy. 
But every single one of his amateur fights, he took them on the ground and finished them. And this guy had won like titles out the ass, was like an alternate for the world team, I believe, at one point. And even as a pro, like every time he got hit in the face, you could see him like he would be stunned, almost mm-hmm. like a deer in the headlights because they're not used to getting hit in the face. Yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely the great equalizer on a lot of those uh, skills and kind of, you know, it's, uh, it's not like I I don't like to hard spar like all all training camp, but like you definitely need one at least really hard session where someone's trying to murder you or you just don't take that, you know, that same character into the cage. So with the training camp going on right now, how many days a week are you training? Uh, you on the old diet plan or do you kind of walk around at your fight weight? Well, how's that all that looking for you? Yeah, man, I, I walk around kind of close. To uh, I walk around about like 166 to 168, you know, like I don't, I don't walk around like really heavy for the weight class. And, uh, as a training man, like it, uh, normally it's one of those where like him and the other coaches would be like, dude, you, you, you need to get out of the gym. I really try to train every day or, or if they don't let me into the gym that day, I'll go like run or do something else. So yeah, yeah, it's normally like a seven day, seven day a week for me. Oh yeah. We have heard that you are the gym rat of gladiators Academy Lafayette or the gym raccoon. If that, (laughs) the gym raccoon, (laughs) the gym raccoon, that that's what, that's your new name. The old raccoon, justice, the gavel, (laughs) AKA the raccoon. (laughs) Oh man. So, uh, I love it. I know you have a lot of high level talent that that's in that gym in and out every day, man. So how does that work out? How, what kind of gains are you making? I mean, cause you seem to grow leaps and bounds every single fight. Yeah, man. I, I, I think it's cause like, I don't, I, you can find a lot of dudes when they come like spar with you. Like they do like a game plan that like neutralize you and like almost like win. I, I think like I definitely get better because like I take my licks and like, constantly trying to improve something so i do something new every time i try to spar with somebody so i'm just constantly adding like newer things as much as i can and how awesome is it that to be able to have guys like tim crater who has been there done that and then to have the amazing dustin the diamond poyer who's in there quite often be able to learn from these guys are are you soaking all that up or is that kind of lost on you or you still kind of starstruck when you see these guys like wow like i get to train with these guys every day uh, I don't, I don't get like starstruck in the gym, you know, cause, uh, especially with like Dustin, they, they really make you feel like, you know, like they're not like the superstars, but then, you know, you, you watch them go fight like Dan Hooker, you know, and all those other guys. And like, that's kind of when the starstruck hits you, you know, Dustin's like such a humble dude that like, he, he doesn't like project, like I'm a superstar in the gym. So in a gym, it's kind of like, it, it's not like as alluring. So how often do you get to, uh, to throw hands with the old diamond there? And, uh, how, how does he work? Like, does he give you pointers after the rounds are over? Does he, uh, is he contributing to that growth of Justin? Yeah. Uh, we, we normally go, I, I normally do everything with him once a week on like a Sunday morning. He goes over to like Youngsville with Eric and them. And, uh, he normally runs those classes. So that's kind of where it comes. Like he'll just pick up things that he thinks uh, people struggle with uh, from fights. And he kind of like, he puts in a lot of work for us on that. So how is your diet looking uh, on a normal day? Cause you said you kind of, it seems like you have like a high, high calorie burn rate, but you, you're dropping calories constantly. Um, 
So, so is your diet kind of, is it based in anything or you just kind of eat what you feel or you just kind of watch what you eat or do you have a structured meal plan? Like, Hey, this is what I'm going to eat. Uh, my, my meal plan is more of like, I'll, I'll eat just everything like regular meals and I'll just snack more throughout the day. Trying to keep myself going. Uh, I try not to go too like really crazy on it. I eat just basic things. So you like, you know, chicken, rice, uh, you know, get some pasta in every once in a while, but yeah, nothing like really, you know, insanely like intricate, you know. Right. Do you have any guilty pleasures, any any weaknesses that uh, you got to get into some old pasta, maybe some fast food, anything that uh, catches your fancy? Uh, dude, I'm I'm a real like big sweet guy, so uh, yeah, I, I normally have to stay away from that. So uh, the big trick I do is like my favorite all like in camp is uh, I eat a lot of honey. The, the sweetness mm-hmm. of the honey, you know, I kind of crave the sugar juice. So I eat a lot of, you know, like peanut butter and honey sandwiches, kind of like a, a, a must for a fight camp. So I'm not eating gallons of ice cream for the whole thing. I might have to try that, dude, because I'm, I'm a sweets guy, too. Like, Actually sounds great, a I'll peanut get, butter and honey sandwich. I'll get home, and I'll eat dinner, and then I'll be laying there, and I'll be like, oh. Cause I tell my, I tell my, my girl not to buy these things. Like I, I can't, I can't, she'll get it for her and the kids and things like that. But then late at night around 10 30, 11, when I'm going through cutting lights out, I'm like, eh, let me go ahead and get one of these bite-sized yeah. Snickers. We got the Halloween candy right now. And it's like, you walk into bed and it's like, oh, I ate 10 of those motherfuckers. Like, damn, like that is way too many, many Snickers. I ate real Snickers. <laughs> the body is strong, but the will is weak. That's, that's, that's my, that's my, that's my game plan. <laughs> That definitely makes it, it, it's almost more like, it, it's like envious more than like you even like having it. It's like if you see everyone else in the house getting one, you're like, well, you know what? God damn it. I want one too. Well, let me ask you, have you ever thought about moving up to heavyweight? <laughs> because, because then you can have all those sweets that you want, man. Just give That's it a right. couple of years. Man, I don't know if you guys knew this, but like I started my, uh, you know, most of my fights at like 170. And uh, that that wasn't because I like I just walked at 170. I like I started fighting around like 200 pounds. I got out of the military, you know, like just 200 wow. pounds thicker, you know, just uh. And that first weight cut was like 30 pounds. It was, it was pretty bad. You're yeah. walking. You're walking around at 200 pounds. What, I mean, any idea about what the body fat percentage was? 20 percent. Uh, yeah, around like 18 to 20. Wow. Yeah, about that. He was a he was a big man right there. He was a big old boy. So what made yeah, so was, what uh, made you want to cut down to the weight that you are now? Uh, well, I I stopped trying to be big. You know, like I'm not a. This is like the the natural weight that I actually am. Like in the Marine Corps, I was like on like mass gainers and you know like creatine and all this other things. I was like I was trying really hard to be that weight. And then when I got out, I just kind of like still kept that regiment up. And uh, Tim was like, "Hey man, there's no way you're going to be an 85er." So uh, you might want to make 70 if right. you're going to stay this weight. So you say you were trying really hard to keep that weight. Well, we're talking like you're you're lifting weights and uh, eating a lot, taking supplements. And then when you got out of the Marines, you just kind of like cut all that out? Yeah, I just stopped, I just stopped doing that regimen and kind of just like ate regularly. And then the weight kind of sorted itself out over like the year. Making 170 became like impossible. I was like, yeah, man, there's no way uh, – like I'm, I'm not even tipping the scales at 70. There's no way I can be fighting this one. Absolutely. So, what are you normally walking around at right now? Yeah, I'm, I'm walking around about like 166 to you know 168. So, like just barely under the welterweight limit. 
So you ultimately, so, so you think lightweight's your home? Are you ever going to try to drop the 45 or what are you thinking? Uh, yeah, lightweight's ever my home. I mean, whenever uh, they decide to make a 65 pound division, I think that would be my home and like not really cut any weight at all. Uh, my second pro fight ever was, uh, I fought Tyler, oh, excuse me, Tyler Smith. And uh, that was at 65, you know, the guy that fought AJ at 70 and uh, man, I, I, I enjoyed that that like whole process, just coming in, drinking water, and ju- just enjoying the whole one. So, yeah, if they make it sixty five, I'd probably go up. Okay. Sitting down. Well, speaking of fights coming up, I know November seventh, Atlas fights. You'll be stepping into that steel one more time. How do you feel about this upcoming opponent? Uh, what are you thinking? What, you got any predictions for us? Uh, what's going on with that? I mean, the only thing I can predict out of these last couple of fights is that. Uh, no matter how ever how much everyone says that it's going to be a striking affair, the guy is going to try to take it down. It's the only prediction I have for you that uh, he's going to you know pretend to want to strike until I touch him a couple times, and that's going to go out the window. All right, any predictions on how you're going to end this fight? Because we're, uh, fighters are very hesitant on, in giving us predictions on. Yeah, this no, show. nobody wants to give us a prediction on how they're ending this fight. Yeah, you just go in there, be like, yeah, dude, I'm gonna do a roundhouse kick, knock him down, then get him down there and prove your necktie. Boom, easy. I mean, are you like, thinking like I'm, I'm coming out, Ralph Macchio, crane kick to the <laughs> face, mm-hmm. and then do like the cartwheel jump pass yeah, to then, North South Choke? Yeah, or a go-go Pilata, yeah. you know, like just. It doesn't have to be crazy. Just tell us, you know, right, like, what, know, how are you going to end this thing? Just something yeah. intricate, you know, like you're going to do like a backflip stomp to his chest. Then you're going to look at his corner and say, check this shit out. Well, As you old, do like a rolling gator roll to a twister. The old Michelle Pereira. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, uh, I mean, it, I don't want to try to, you know, pretend to, to give the wrong thing. I'd like to submit him. I don't have, I'm, out of all, uh, I think I have 18 fights, including the amateurs. I have zero submissions on my record, so I'd like to start adding some of those. But uh, you know, and w- once I get hit and it starts going through, I I just end up standing out throughout the whole thing. So you know, my prediction is hopefully I take him down. And uh, you mentioned that Peruvian necktie. I, I definitely love that, and I hit that. That's a pretty high percentage one for me in the gym. But uh, more likely it'll be you know it's like an arm bar or you know. What uh? What belt are you currently right now? A blue belt. You got any stripes? But, uh, you got any stripes on that thing? Uh, yeah, there's three of them. But I mean, awesome. I always feel like going to other gyms. Uh, not trying to discredit anyone. Like a blue belt under Tim Crater yeah. is probably like a very high level purple belt anywhere else. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I I strongly agree with that statement. Uh, yeah, def- definitely agree with that statement. But a nice nice Peruvian necktie might uh throw another stripe on that bad boy for you. Definitely. I know that's how I know I know that that's how AJ got promoted to his blue belt was uh he submitted somebody. Yeah. Uh, you. Look, you predict the Peruvian necktie, and then old uh, Chris Miller hears it on the podcast, and then you pull it off. I think you're going right up to a brown man. Oh yeah, you, you just skip the purple all together, man. He's got to whisper in his ear. <laughs> He's got to lean real close and whisper. Here it comes. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't know, man. It was just like uh, that one fight you uh, refereed, uh, Nick, when I fought uh, Carlos Guerrero. The the plan was to prove your necktie on that one, and you kind of saw how that ended. Oh, was that, My was, corner was like calling for it. They were like, yeah, prove him. I was like, ah, I, I, I kind of just enjoy hitting him, you know? My last so. fight I interviewed with you, I mean, I ref your last fight was at the uh, Harris Casino in New Orleans when the kid, uh, one of Georgetown's guys, he quit in the corner. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was I was a little shocked at that at that fight at all. I thought he could have went. I could I thought yeah, that I fight could have continued, uh, but I thought that guy he just wanted nothing. He he hit Justice with like a hard overhand and a clean Justice. Yeah, and Justice looked at him and kind of was like, okay, and returned fire. And I think he's one of those guys that he's not used to hitting people and them going, this is a fight. We're we're going to continue. Yeah. So I mean, it was uh, I think it was a culture shock for that kid. He quit. What was that? The second round, he just didn't come out. Yeah, he just didn't. He didn't come out. Uh, I, I trained with Georgetown a little bit after that, and he said that it was just like he had an ankle injury going into it, and they thought it would be okay because they didn't think I was going to kick at all. And the guy said, like, I immediately kicked it as soon as the round started. Yeah. So that that was their their story of it, you know. Yeah, if I remember, Tim was none too happy about the uh, retirement, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh. And tell me, uh, tell me, tell me about your mindset going into like transitioning into fight week. Like you wake up Sunday morning, you know, this is fight week. Uh, does, does anything change for you or does it stay the same or you have any like rituals you like to try to follow during fight week? Uh, no, man. Like I, I really just try not to make a big deal out of fight week. Like it's just every other week. Like I literally do get up every day and I train and, uh, that, that's why, like, I'm glad I have, like, really, you know, good coaches because they'll kind of tell me about, hey, man, it, it's fight week. You got to get the fuck out of the gym or they'll let me come, you know, in the gym and just, like, do light and kind of, you know, like, keep an eye on me so I don't go, like, too crazy and just overtrain myself. But, no, man, I like to keep it just, like, another another week. That's not important. Just, just like a fight to fight. I've been in, you know, hundreds of them by now. This fight isn't going to be bigger than any other one. It's just another guy. Absolutely, man. It seems like your head's in the right place. So uh, I guess uh, what we need to talk to you about is our last little bit of business is um, usually the guests of the podcast, they allow Jeff and I to pick their walkout song mm-hmm. and it could be anything, you know, just any, any old thing that we're feeling that day, you know, we're going to talk to the spirit animals and try to get in contact with the universe and feel like what justice needs November 7th. All you have to do is give us a little double gun and uh, we're on it for you, man. All you got to do is just come out and bang, come out and smash and uh, we'll be ready to go. All right, man. That, that sounds good to me, but, man. You but know, here's, before you sign up though, you, there's a, uh, a kicker here is that you're not going to know what the song is and we're probably not going to know until five right. minutes or so before, before you walk out. Uh, you know, it, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards the wheels on the bus right now. I mean, I remember that when I was a kid and it used to get me hyped. Or what I'm kind of leaning to is they give me the mic and I acapella the Growing Pains theme song <laughs> as you come out. Yeah, there we go. I, 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 like, I like that. Because if you ever go on like a road trip with me, you know, like I'm singing this whole this whole trip. Like, so I, I definitely would be down for that. Dude. I need you in my life. I try to get my girl to sing with me all the time in the car and she ends up just staring at me. It's like, I need backup singers. I need support here. <laughs> so last little bit, yeah, last little bit of business, man. You got any shout outs? Uh, anybody you want to thank anybody you want to talk about, man? Uh, here's your time. Anybody you want to call out? We're here for it. Hmm. I mean, we, we, we did hear that Brandon a bear was talking shit. If you wanted to make a call out and you guys could, you know, meet up at Catchweight or something like that. I mean, you, I mean, you yeah. said you liked the, like uh, the sweets. I think a couple of weeks of sweets, <laughs> and uh, I know a guy. We can get you hooked up with that fight. 
it's, uh, it's not a call out, but it's definitely one that like I might want back. Uh, I fought Rance Ward when we were amateurs, and uh, he kind of posted a video of that fight, and he's like, "I might go back to MMA." And I kind of commented underneath, I was just like, "I'd like to welcome you back to MMA." Then absolutely, he should turn. That's absolutely he should turn pro and come on back. Let's let's welcome you yeah, back well, with open arms. Boxer. Yeah, so he's, so he's, he's definitely he's got to be pro yeah. MMA then. You can't be a pro yes, boxer sir, and amateur yeah. MMA. Come on so, yeah, back. I Justin's is ready. Like, I welcome you at open arms. Yeah, I, I felt like that fight was really close anyways, and that was like my first drop to, from 70 to 55, and I was kind of shocked on the style change and like how like lightweight fights 100% completely different than welterweight. Oh, so absolutely. It was an adjustment period, and, and I gave him trouble. So, I mean, now that like, I'm tuned in on it, I, I definitely think that'd be a good fight to have back. Dude, I like it. I like it. You got any sponsors you want to sh- shout out? I don't know. Just all the coaches, Christian Falgram, uh, Tim Crater, all the all the guys that kind of put in the work with me, you know, AJ Fletcher, Tara Maivo, you know, just all the guys at Gladiator. AJ Fletcher told us if he wins his fight, he is going to be calling out Eric Scallion. He's calling out who? <laughs> He's calling out Eric Scallion. That's what he told us last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's like the John Jones, John Blahovis thing. Like the, the real, the real champion has to come back and defend the belt, or it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I mean, Eric has quite a few 170 belts. He needs to come back and uh, him and the ghost, uh, go, go, fisticuffs, him and the golden ram, him <laughs> and the golden ram. AJ told us his original name was the Golden Ram. <laughs> Man, th- those are such fun rounds in the gym. I think that would be like one of the best fights you can put on a local circuit. Just getting to see that in the gym, those are like such epic, you know, scrambles and just, it, it that would actually be a really good one. If, that's honest, if it ever did have to happen. That's honestly what I miss the most about fighting was those sparring sessions, just those closed house where no one's here, nobody's watching. It's just you and the team. And it becomes a dick measuring contest. Like, I'm not going to let you beat me today. You know what? You might beat me all these rounds, but this one's mine. This one's going to be my round. Yeah, it's always like that fun shocker. Like, you also have like that one guy that you know, hey, we're turning it up. So, like, you literally can look over and see like two guys like nicely, you know, sparring, trying to be technical. And then the next round, you just get like, you know, like me and AJ are kind of like that. Like, we definitely bring the best out of each other in those sparring sessions. So like we'll we'll be nice and easy with the next guy, and then the other ones will just will just start tearing into each other. Those are AJ is definitely you know the huge reason I'm, I get so much better at the end of these uh, end of these camps. Yeah, Scott O'Shaughnessy was always my guy. It was always like Rich would go, all right, twenty five percent. Then I think he'd hit me a little <laughs> hard, right? Hit him a little hard, and then we just kind of look at each other, like nod our head, like let's do it. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Yep. Say no more, sir. We're like, throwing. like, let's do it. This is what we came for, man. But man, Justice, uh, we appreciate you coming on the uh, best local podcast with us. Uh, the champ champs actually appreciate you being here, man. And uh, we wish you all the best of skill, man. Yes, sir. Can't wait to see you guys out there. Yeah, absolutely. We will be there, man. Yeah. Justice. Thank you so much for being here. We'll see you November 7th. For Atlas fights in Biloxi, Mississippi. And at, after you win that fight, dude, definitely grab that mic and call out Rance, man. That's what we need. Some Kate, some live cage calling. 
We'll be we'll be uh cage side going screaming rats rats. <laughs> I think Nick and I are turning this podcast into like the biggest platform for instigating fights. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> what we're trying to do. <laughs> yeah, you guys are coming like the air Hawaii of the, the local circuit. Oh well, yeah, man. well we want to do what he did, but also incorporate like street fights. You know, sometimes Walmart fights. Macy you know? Macy Bro told us earlier that her first fight was uh, on World Star. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna look for that actually yeah. later. I'm gonna post that so to the page if I can find it. Yeah. You guys are gonna do like those old WWE ones? I mean, just you know, Nick the ref, he can just show up in his uh, his outfit, and we can fight anywhere. You know, like those old school fights that uh like. All those supermarkets, remember those old attitude areas? Yeah, get us like some, one? just get us like a like a mobile dog kennel we can set up. Like it's a five <laughs> by five cage. Let's do it. Let you get you the Footlocker shirt, like, the Footlocker uniform. Oh, absolutely! And you, do, and you just go in there and you do the counts one, two, and then the third one just never comes down because you're not ready for it to end. We saw one the other night because I'm a, I'm an avid fan of WWE Justice. I don't know if you know this, but they had this ref the other time. They always are so dramatic. Like they had the cover and the dude ran and slid. And he had to slide about 15 feet was like <laughs> like a slip and, slide. and then start. He was like counting like as he was sliding across the ring. Oh, me and my kid were wound that like 12 times just laughing our asses off. But yeah, man, yeah. we're definitely looking forward to seeing you climbing that cage one more time. Justice is fighting on an absolutely stacked Atlas card. Yeah, best card this in is a long time. This is probably the best local card, and no disrespect to any promotions whatsoever, but Glenn really went out and cl- killed it when he made this yeah. card. Yeah, that's that's the main card. It's going to have maybe eight or nine undercard, uh, eight or nine fights in the undercard that are going to oh, yeah. be great as well. Absolutely. Well, Justice, man, uh, train well, stay healthy, brother, and uh, we'll see you November 7th. Yes, sir. All right. See you guys later. Yeah, we'll see you soon, Justice. Nick and I will be right back with our picks for UFC 254. We are back with the award winning fight sport focus podcast let's take a look at ufc 254 khabib versus gaethje and nick and i are going to give our picks for that event first up we've got magomed ankalaev taking on jan kute laba nick rona be damned man magomed ankalaev and kuta laba dude if they don't get to go at it Right. If they've got to duke it out in hazmat suits, then so be it. But this fight has to happen. Right. It's been rescheduled four, five, six times now. This fight absolutely has to happen, whether they're like you said, whether they're in the parking lot, mouth kiss, open mouth kiss and bums. They should just fight in the parking lot. Let them fight at the weigh ins. Like, it's fine. <laughs> Wherever you get them, you get them together. Right. It doesn't even have to be a sanctioned fight. Just be like, all right, we're here. Let's fucking get it done. Um. I'm going to go with Ankalaev, man. Uh, like, I, I think Kute Laba, 15 and 5. He's coming in as a pretty big underdog at a plus 220. And uh, he's lost all of the big fights that he's had. Uh, Misha Serkinov, Jared Cannonier, Glover Teixeira. Um, I don't think that he's going to, I don't think that he's got enough to get this one done. I'm going with Ankalaev. I am also going with Ankalaev. Next up, we've got. 
Lauren Murphy taking truth on. Truth be told, his name was just easier to pronounce for me. Just easier than Kute. Ankalaev was the easier name for you to pronounce. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't read this little screenshot you sent me. Yeah, and I think Kute Laba, he's got uh, a couple characters that aren't in the English language. It's like a C, and it's got like a little mini C that's backwards underneath. And I'll, it. I'll, I'll post this screenshot that Jeff sent me later on on the podcast where he drew the little pretty face and said Rona. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so that was Cynthia Calvillo, who tested positive for the coronavirus two days ago. So Lauren Murphy's now taking on a uh, Uzbek fighter, Lilia Shakarova. This is going to be her UFC debut. Shakarova's eight and one, and uh, she's entering this a pretty large underdog herself. She's the plus 260. Murphy's the minus 350. Shakarova uh, has fought entirely in uh, Uzbekistan, Russia, or China. I'm not sure that she's faced the level of competition that Murphy has. And I think that's why Murphy's coming in at such a heavy favorite. I'm going with Murphy. I think that I personally am going to consider your pick. I, I, dude, go. I think you picked Shakarova, dude, mm. if I remember from yesterday when you sent him. And I think that it's wrong, and I'm going to go oh, with Shakarova. There's, okay, good. I was about to say, there's no change in picks, man. It's it's already locked and loaded. You're going with Shakarova. Yeah, Shakarova. Was Shakarova easier for you to say than Murphy? Uh, no, but it's <laughs> awesome to say Shakarova. That actually is kind of cool. Next up, we've got Jacob Malkoon versus Phil Hawes. Malkoon just Four and zero, Hawes eight and two. Hawes is the minus two seventy five favorite. Malkoon plus two fifteen dog. Uh, Hawes has eight professional wins. At least four of them have been first round stoppages, and that includes three out of his last four wins. He's Did you a- watch this guy on YouTube? This dude is a killer. Yeah, and, and I think he came from the Contender Series doing the exact yeah. same thing, just yeah. first round smoking people. Uh, Vegas is on his side at a minus 275. Uh, I've got to go with Vegas on this one. I'm going with the favorite again. I'm taking Hawes. Old Nicky G is also on his side, taking Mr. Phil Hawes. Next up, Alexander Volkov, 31-8, and eight, taking on Walt Harris. I've never been high, never been high on Volkov, ever. So Volkov uh, had a nice stint in Bellator. uh, Bellator. He had nine fights there, joined the UFC. He won his debut and uh, won the next three against some pretty well-known fighters. Roy Nelson, Stefan Struve, Fabricio Verdum, and he was 4-0 at the UFC. Since then, however, uh, he's gone one and two, and he hasn't lost to scrubs, though, right? Derek Lewis and Curtis Blades. Walt Harris has been like, very up and down. Very up career. and down. He's been in the UFC for a long time. He also had a lot of personal stuff with the stuff with his daughter being kidnapped yeah, but and that was, finding her remains. Like, but that stuff doesn't go that away. That was very recent, though. Yeah. Like the the inconsistency with him is five or six years back. Um, all of that being said, as inconsistent as he's been, and even with the personal stuff that you brought up, he lost his first fight when he came back after the personal stuff. Uh, so he lost his last fight. That was to Alistair Overeem back in May. Yep. That's the only fight that he's lost in his last five. He had a no contest against uh, Andre Arlovsky that he he won the split decision in, but uh, he tested positive for something in like the uh, post-fight sample. But he did win the fight on the cards. So all that being said, in his last five, he's only lost one. So he is in the best state of his career as far as getting fights done. I'm personally going to go with the takedown machine, Walt Harris. Yeah, uh, again... I'm going with Vegas on this one. I think Volkov's got a ton of experience. Uh, he's an absolute machine. 
And uh, I think he's going to get this one done. Next fight is very interesting. This is the closest fight that we've got on the card as far as the betting odds are concerned. Robert Whitaker taking on Jared Cannonier. Cannonier, the minus 125 uh, favorite. And Whitaker's right there with him at a minus 105. Um, this is going to be an awesome fight. Uh, a lot of people don't know this. So Cannonier, when he first got to the UFC, his first two fights were at heavyweight, right? And he went one and one. He split those fights. Then he dropped down a light heavyweight, and he went one and three as a light heavyweight. Uh, he lost to Glover Teixeira, Jan Blahovich, and Dominic Reyes. And after he's dropped down to middleweight, he hasn't lost one since, right? He's 3-0 and as a middleweight, and those three fights have gotten him into title talks already. Adesanya has said if he beats, if Cannoneer beats Whitaker, that's who he wants next. All of that being said. I don't care about none of that nonsense Adesanya saying until he fights Bones. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if that fight's going to happen anytime soon. Because he's scared. Could be, but I think he's got to defend the middleweight title uh, a couple of times before thinking about going anywhere else. And there aren't a lot of options for him at middleweight. Robert Whitaker, he's 22 and 5. Before he lost to Adesanya, he was on a four-year, nine-fight win streak, right? And he and Adesanya finished him, and Adesanya finished him pretty quick. But again, before that, he looked unstoppable. I think this is a great opportunity for Whitaker to turn it around, and I think he's going to edge out Cannoneer here. I am going to go with Mr. Cannoneer. Mr. J-Rod Cannoneer. Like we, we, we've we been talking about this, man. This card is going to separate the men from the boys here. You and I have a, a couple of very good, very interesting opposite picks. So it's going to be really fun to see how these turn out. Coming on down to the main event. <laughs> we don't need to talk about that one. The evening. I, I don't think the people are, are really interested in hearing about that one, right? I mean, it's we have Mr. Khabib. Oh, he's fine. I'm going to avoid Conor McGregor as long as I can. Nagamayoff. Oh, don't be like that. He, he's avoiding uh, versus Mr. Justin Gaethje. Yeah, yeah. Don't, now, as, don't, don't much, be like that, man. as much as I want to say that, I mean, a lot of guys have dubbed Justin to be the next guy. They dubbed Justin to be the guy, to be the guy, to be the guy. But the thing about it is, it's 30 something fights. No one has been the guy. As much as I'd like, to see Justin wax Khabib, I'm going to go with Khabib. I mean, it's the safe pick. He's mauled everybody else. He's only lost argue, what he's lost one round in his career. He lost the third round to Connor, and he's just absolutely destroyed everyone else. Um, I'm going to go with Khabib. Yeah, until you see Khabib lose, and that's if he ever does, it's almost impossible to bet against him. You know, and... A lot of people are criticizing, saying, well, it's always this way. Every time Khabib fights, they say, well, this is the toughest fight that he's had yet. Well, this is the toughest fight. No, Gaethje is the toughest fight that the, that Khabib has had yet. And uh, I don't think that anybody should be doubting that. Gaethje is a more than capable opponent here. He's got he's a very accomplished grappler himself. He's a NCAA Division I uh, All-American. And he's known as being one of the most violent strikers in the UFC. So... Gaethje is going to be a very dangerous opponent for Namagamadoff, and he is the toughest uh, competition that Khabib has faced yet. See, I disagree with saying that he's the toughest competition to that he's faced yet because, I mean, Khabib fought Dustin and beat him, and Dustin absolutely starched Justin yeah. Gaethje. And he fought Conor McGregor, and Conor McGregor 
is the only person to ever take a round from him. Yeah. Well, the, I, I personally think that if Connor and Justin fought, I think Connor would knock Justin out in the first round very, very effectively. We're going to have to agree to disagree on that one. The Dustin Gaethje thing, I can understand for sure. Uh, that we could go uh, either way on that one. I think that Gaethje is a much tougher opponent than what a lot of people are uh, putting out, right? I think that most people looking at this uh, assume that it's going to be an easier day for Khabib than what it should be. The biggest mystery we have going into this fight is we really, we've heard how great Justin's wrestling is, but we haven't seen it. Yeah. I had somebody earlier this week say, well, he did a lot in the PFL. Like that's the PFL. This is the yeah. UFC. The World it's Series two, of Fighting. And it's two different, yeah. two different calibers of, of opponents respectively to all, all the fighters involved. But is Justin's wrestling as good as everybody claims it is? That's going to be interesting to see. We're going to find out because if Justin can stay in space and force Khabib to stand up and fight him, it's going to be crazy. I mean, because Khabib did tag Connor and rocked him. Khabib was rocked by Connor, was tagged. Dustin tagged Khabib and rocked him. Then Khabib tagged Dustin. So, yeah. Khabib's stand-up is not bad. Not at all. But we can say Justin's stand-up is probably a lot better. Yeah. And Khabib but will one stand Justin, and bang for a bit. One of Justin's main weapons is those leg kicks. Yes. But how willing are you to give Khabib your leg? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, it's going to be a chess match. It's going to be really interesting to see how uh, Gaethje's wrestling holds up if and when if uh, Khabib, but, Khabib I mean, shoots. If Khabib, I mean, yeah, if and when. It's more when. When Khabib shoots, can Justin stop the takedown? If he cannot stop the takedown, Khabib will maul him like everybody else. And then we'll see who's next for Khabib. Yeah. What do you think about this maybe being Khabib's last fight? It doesn't seem like he's been real motivated over the past year and a half or so. Uh, there's definitely been some allusions to him uh, so, maybe calling it quits. And, you know, father and head coach passed away. Yeah, that's 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 a, how real do you think is that possibility uh, I mean, of this being Khabib's last fight? We don't really know how much these things have really affected Khabib. I mean, he seems very close with his dad, and I mean, my father's still here, so I can't even have anything to compare it to. But I know how devastated I would be if I lost my father, and we don't have that close of a bond that we're working together every single day, in and out. And this is this is my guy, this is my hero. So we don't have that where we're together every day where Khabib did with his dad. And he was very affectionate and loved his dad very much. I mean, it was even so much that even Conor McGregor and Khabib notoriously hate each other. And Conor stopped and was like, Hey, I'm sorry you lost your dad. And even Khabib recognized Conor saying, thank yeah. you. And so, I mean, it's, it's, it, we're going to see a different Khabib. We're going to see a Khabib without his dad in his corner, without his hero standing yeah on the other side of that cage calling out instructions. So we'll see what happens. Now, I think if Khabib loses, he's got to fight again. But I also think that Khabib has several fights left on the table. And he's a young guy. I don't think he's consistently cleared out the division yet. Like I still, I don't think Tony deserves a shot right away. I think Tony needs to beat somebody first, yeah. but there's still a Tony Ferguson fight. I think Michael Chandler should get a fight coming back, and then we'll see Michael Chandler fight. And realistically, in my personal opinion, the winner of Co of Connor and Dustin in January, I think that is who should Khabib should fight next. Do you think that's something that Khabib even considers for a moment is clearing out the division or how many defenses that he has? I, I don't know that he's not. I don't. Content I don't with ex uh, with everything that he's accomplished thus far. I don't know. I, I can't. I don't. I don't know 
Khabib and he's a he's a, he's a foreign guy, so he thinks a little different. So I can't even begin to imagine how Khabib is. Yeah, some thinking. cultural differences there. Yeah, so but he has other fights left on the table. Like I'd like to see him fight Michael Chandler. I'd like to see him fight Tony Ferguson. Yeah, I, I mean he needs to fight Gaethje. I think he needs to fight Dustin again. I think he needs to fight Connor again. I think he's got about ten fights. I mean, and what in the world possibility if we can get GSP to come down to 55 or even one of my buddies, Sam uh, told me the other day and I thought it was, I was, my head exploded at it. Colby Covington's a very small 170. What if we can convince Colby to cut the 55 and a fight could be like, oh, yeah. there's a lot of interesting fights for Khabib, yep. but ultimately at the end of the day, it's what is Khabib going to want to do? Yeah, and again, I don't know that he's motivated by all of the same factors that a lot of the fighters that we follow uh, might be motivated by. Uh, I don't know that clearing out the division or being the all-time um, uh, leader in title defenses is anything that Khabib is remotely interested in. I think uh, he's more than content with everything that he's accomplished thus far. Uh, he's got a, a perfect undefeated record, and I wouldn't be very surprised if uh, he did beat uh, Gaethje this Saturday and uh, that might be the last time that we see him in the octagon and I also the last thing we can talk about this week is uh Israel Adesanya I just googled it to make sure that it did happen Israel Adesanya also called out Jan at Jan 205 Milhovich. which is absolutely insane to me because if you're willing to go to 205 if I was Dana White the only fight we have for you at 205 is Johnny Bones Jones and I think Israel Adesanya knows in his heart he can't beat Bones. Bones is arguably the greatest fighter to ever live. I think the only only two fights at heavyweight I'd like to see Bones fight. I mean, I'd watch him fight uh, Ninganu, but I really think I'd like to see him fight Stipe or I'd like to see him fight Brock Lesnar because Brock Lesnar is back in the testing pool. We'll see what happens. Yeah, well, if you look at it from Israel Adesanya's point of view, the fight with Jan makes a lot more sense. He's got the title. So if you win, you become a champ champ, which I'm sure most champions, it's something that they yep. would love to have. And it's the easier fight. So it's a win-win situation. And then maybe after you beat Jan Blahovic, you go for Jones for the big money fight or something like that. Or, but so, so the fight with Bones would make way more money than the fight with Jan. But what happens if Jan catches you? Because Jan puts one of those big old yeah. bear paws on Izzy, like it's going to hurt. Yeah. So if Izzy goes up to 205 and gets slept... Yeah, by Jan or, right. or loses at all, there is no John Jones fight because you've lost now. It makes no sense. So I think it's a business decision. I really do. But like I said, who knows what Israel Adesanya? I, I, I like I said, Israel Izzy's never really been my guy. But I mean, he's a great fighter. He's a phenomenal fighter. He's undefeated in MMA. But I feel like if you're going to get online, you're going to chirp and chirp and chirp. You should fight this guy. Mm -hmm. And John Jones has said it multiple times, like. You're younger than me. You have way more fighting experience. What's the holdup, kid? Nick, do we have anything else, man? I think that's uh, been about to it for us. Ten I think that's about in. it, man. If you guys want to go ahead and uh, post your picks, on, we're going to put a post up there. Uh, post your own personal picks and uh, let us know. Also, we have a lot of new merch in the Fight Sports Focus uh, website uh, store. Got some new hoodies in there. Got some new uh, T-shirts in there. Go out and show your support for us. Got the stars and bars, baby. One stars sleeve stars, bars. the other sleeve bars. Got uh, got some old patches out there. Got it. We even got a fight sports focus face mask for all you mask wearers out there. 
literally everybody's a mask out there, man. When you, when you say it like that, you, you make it seem like there's more of you, man. But no, literally everybody's a mask. <laughs> for all you regular... <laughs> All you regular folks. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, 10th episode of the Fight Sport Focus podcast wrapped up, man. Don't forget, follow us on all platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Fight Sport Focus. And visit our website, fightsportfocus.com. New episodes are dropping every week, so subscribe to and share this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Jeffrey Hoffman, and this is Nicholas Sherlock. Thanks for listening.